Anime drop pants. Anime wrists and chains. Anime and everything anime. Gucci skin anime. My backpack anime. That H-pop with Glock cut. That's anime. Oh my god anyway, I'm balling up that avenue. Anime swag and I'm throwing my money at the roof. Uncle Yo is trying to start a rap career? No, dude, that's Soldier Boy. <laughs> wow, that's even worse. Yeah, dude. Is Soldier uh, Boy just trying to time. be like the least talented person on planet Earth to have a creative career? <laughs> Is that the he's goal? He's making an effort. Smoking up a pound a day, everything, every day, everything, anime. <laughs> Wait, so smoking a pound of weed means that you're into it's, anime? It's totally anime. I think what's happening here is he, he sees himself as a trendsetter, and he wants people to use anime instead of fat or bad, as people might. Uh, and he has recorded it in song, so when people start doing it, he can say, I have proof that I was the first. That's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Anime is never know, really going to garner you any <laughs> props Now that on all the these street. other video game podcasts are just essentially aping our style... Making the jokes we made, talking about food. I guess we do have a record of everything we've ever done. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. in our case, it's if not th- really an issue. The problem is that <laughs> what we do is hardly unique. We also did this, you know, with eight other people all the time. Yeah. I wonder if that's just some sort of weird natural gravitation. <laughs> you get in a group of people and that's just what happens. And that's why memes work so well. Because it's really just what everyone's doing. Yeah, I think that it's the just, that's a representation of something that's already going on. It's not necessarily uh, a work of genius. It's sort of birthed out of the collective unconscious. Humans just have an instinctual need to post cat pictures on the internet. But before the internet, we had no way to, to realize that need. I guess it is now sort of a do. shame. I mean, there's, I don't know. It's sort of a shame that memes or the people that create them disappear into the the thing itself. Like, nobody knows who really started that exhibit thing. But, yeah. I mean, like, that thing was going strong and was pretty hilarious. So, yeah, I don't know. I and guess that's not really that lamentable. and fade away. Because the exhibit thing was pretty stupid. I mean, half the funniness of it is just how retarded half of them are. Oh, wait, I'm not supposed yeah. to say that anymore. <laughs> I saw a commercial during Glee. That's the R word. Oh, really? Yeah, you're not supposed to use that. It's like using every other racial slur. Because now people who, who are mentally challenged are a race. Who f- I'd like to know who funded that. Really, just the name of their organization. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's semi-legitimate. Nobody uses that term kindly. But, you know, I don't know if I'm going to make it a civil rights campaign. Their point is not incorrect. I think it's it's probably reasonable uh, if you've been in a situation like that to be like, hey, that's a hurtful word. But I really don't think it just has the same sort of negative power that a lot of racial slurs <laughs> have. Yeah. It just it's just not used in the same situations. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe twenty years from now, Dave, they'll think about it differently. And they'll be like, I can't believe they said such awful things. Or had oceans. There isn't, like, a nationwide movement of p- 
pure hatred against retarded people as there would be or as there was with black people. Yeah, I guess that's true. Or other like races. nobody is out there like, you know, saying we need to keep these people separate or you know, they need uh, to have the, special places the, to live. Yeah. I don't know. There are definitely there are definitely hurdles for the mentally challenged and there there have been I just I don't know if there's been any sort of group-based spread of hatred. Like, there's been some pretty <laughs> fucked up things inflicted on people, but just think you can't make that comparison. On the topic of, of mental illness, not that it's really in the same vein, Grotz just finished, and I've been reading this book, which I think is called The Psychopath Test. I, I don't actually know the title. I'm pretty sure that's it. And it's pretty good. This is the one I made uh, up. It's good. It's good enough. It's just, just like this British guy going around to places he, he sort of gets gets a bug in his butt when he learns the practical definition of psychopath and then just sort of starts exploring the world and subjecting people to this psychopath checklist at the same time letting his own neuroses sort of examine his every move with a supreme lack of confidence that convinces himself that he's acting like a psychopath at all times by examining people but then it just it's a lot of really interesting effectively case studies even though they're not actually case studies and that's your fast karate book recommendation that's the one oh but before we talk about whatever we're going to talk about whatever that may end up being i i forgot to mention for like three podcasts that there are now fast karate stickers what you can buy by going to the Fast Karate store, which is on DaveAndJoel.com. Wait, we have a store? And, and it's if you go to DaveAndJoel.com, there's buttons at the top, and one of them says store. And you can still buy t-shirts. There's still plenty of those. We're not going to run out. <laughs> um, but, yeah, now there's also stickers that I recommend putting on your laptops or your trapper keepers or oh, bathroom man. stalls. My trapper keeper, you know. It's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle one, but it could go for another sticker. Dude, you should just... Is it really expensive to make Hanabi-shaped stickers? No, that would probably be very easy. I mean, these ones did not... Let's put it this way. (laughs) I have to sell far less stickers to recoup losses than I do t-shirts. Because I should start one of those, like, cool indie kid graffiti campaigns of, like, monochromatic baby bombs slapped everywhere. Yeah, this this is not... This is not the exactly the sort of thing you would stick in a punk rock bathroom, though I would hope you do, because <laughs> I'd appreciate it. So that's a, I say that that's basically my pitch for why you should be buying these things, but I'm sure to, to, to couch it in... Uh, I didn't tell you to do that, though, because I don't know what sort of liability I have, even though... We're going to scrape all of these off. Everywhere in the United States. Yeah, community our services. Own like, hey, man, I didn't know what they were going to do with them or what I was going to do with them. <laughs> they're like five inches wide. It's not so like they're we little, recorded they're probably a a little small incriminating evidence and then sticker. published it on the internet forever. Listen, then that's just the way that people are going to be like, he must be crazy. He would never release this incriminating evidence unless he was insane. Then it's a one-way tra- ticket to a cushy mental hospital nice gonna be a ward of the state my plan works out all i had to do was print some stickers mental hospitals i hear those places are awesome i think it could be cool to make 
Hanabi stickers. I think the issue with that is that you would have to make them a a non-traditional cut. Yeah, like it would. That's be a what would make it expensive. Like uh, you and can't. I yeah, I don't know how that modifies the price, but I would think about that. And compared to T-shirts, you know, it does not cost thousands of dollars to print stickers, so I am let loathe to do it. It also does not take up uh, twenty square feet in my apartment to to maintain them. Yikes. Put those out on the porch. Yeah. Start giving them to children. Just be like, hey, kids, you like cigarettes? <laughs> Here, take just, a T-shirt and a cigarette. I'd rather just loop the cigarette over the fence and <laughs> use it to garrote them <laughs> as they run by. <laughs> These fucking kids. There must be like a daycare <laughs> or something in this building. Because they're just, You're in New York and there's outdoor space. There will be children a, occupying it. But at 8.30 in the morning, they were having a graduation party for five-year-olds yeah that's a little weird maybe there is a daycare i was so mad (laughs) i don't get when did they start doing graduation parties for kindergarten i feel like i was deprived yeah i certainly never got it the first graduation i had was from grade school and when i say grade school i mean eighth grade not middle school that that was not something that was like I just don't think Catholic school has the equivalent of, of middle school and then junior high. It's all sort of the same thing until you hit high school. Well, that kind of makes sense. Well, I mean, a lot of people do, like, K through 8 schools. And if you're not changing yeah. buildings, the ceremony is kind of then, ridiculous. Yeah. Well, in retrospect, the ceremony for graduating 8th grade is a little ridiculous anyway. No, it totally is. You didn't accomplish really anything. And I mean, even yeah, high it's school. It's like, now, well, good job not washing out of the system that is now designed to not wash you out. <laughs> I, uh, high school graduations were even designed for back in the day when not everybody graduated from high school. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy to think about. Uh, well, I mean, and still, uh, even today, uh, not everybody graduates from high school. So maybe that's unfair of me to say that. But I don't yeah, know. It, it is difficult and illegal to not graduate from grade school. Like, if you, you cannot drop out of grade school, your parents will get into a lot of trouble if you do. <laughs> this is true. But anyway, what do you want to talk about? Did you watch 24? Nah, I don't know. Not really. I could talk about it extemporaneously, however. You want to do, you want to do that, or do you want to just read emails or talk about video games? I mean, we are, like, loaded for bear when it comes to video games, so we could do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got. I still have tons. I beat The Witcher. Final conclusion: pretty annoying, pretty often, but still a lot of fun and really good. Well, I mean, that's basically you could say and that I, about most games. There's going to be points that I, are annoying. I did not get to bang nearly as many people as I wanted to. That's probably fact, all right. I think I, I only did about three. And I'm but didn't sure they at like these two of those were prostitutes? They really upped the ante, from what I understand. It's more than just the playing card. You actually get, like, you know, cutscenes. Yeah, there are, oh, I did have sex with a succubus. And in this world, they have goat legs, which actually is <laughs> maybe more accurate to what, how what? A is resented. How I was, was that? like, whatevs, man. <laughs> what am I doing down there? Nothing. I'm the Witcher. I'm concerned purely with my own pleasure. Yes, Ooh. except that, you know, I don't know. Oh, that I cock would, uh, one of those fuzzy legs up above my shoulder, milady. 
Oh, that would be horrifying. How do you even down the wall? Succubuses are supposed to seduce you, right? How does that even work? I feel like you know, that's a really hard sell. Instantly, I said, "What's up? You're not wearing a shirt." That's it. Consider me seduced. of her seduction. Yeah. It's like, oh. And I was actually, I was jumping in there ready to kill her. And she was like, why would I kill the people I need for life force? They're no good to me if I'm dead. And I'm like, you got a point there, goat lady. <laughs> What's that? All right, I'm going to go ask some questions. I couldn't hear you over the sound of my own disrobing. <laughs> yeah. That's like, what? There's one part where you like fall into a cave with your girlfriend, and there's all for some reason. I guess it's you're in some elven ruins, and you fall through the ground, and you end up in a in a pristinely maintained elven bathing pool. Like probably nobody's hung out there for thousands of years, but somehow it's just not this disgusting mass of pond scum. And well, it's you're, gonna you're be when you're done with it. Way out. Pond scum. You, you, you're going to wish that was algae. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you're looking for a way out, and you talk to your girlfriend, and your options are like, let's look for a way out, or, well, since we're here anyway. <laughs> Wait, so the Witcher so has like, a girlfriend, or has a girlfriend for the, a portion of the game? Yeah, I don't know. I think she's sort of just like the canonical love interest. I, so I wait, there I, is I, a I love interest the in The Witcher? Yeah, I just thought that I mean, the, she's gone for most of the game. The love interest, which is you know sort of the abstracted women of the game, that was a love interest. He just loves them all. He's interested in loving all of them. Yes, I love women. I certainly am. All of them. Oh, Witcher, your philandering yeah. knows no limits. But I don't know. The only other thing I really have to say about it is that. The the thing about the combat sort of slacking off and becoming easier certainly bears out. And I was listening to some podcasts where the way they described it was it's more like they took a fully featured character and then just started taking bits and pieces away instead of the reverse. So they were like, this is how we want you to end up and we're going to take away the things that make the game fun so it takes like 12 hours to really have it be fun and in control of your combat. Whereas, you know, a good game starts you with something that's really fun and makes it more fun. And to its credit, it was it was decently fun in the beginning, but it was so fucking hard. Well, I mean, yeah, but how much of the fun are you having at the end is a result of your understanding yeah, of the game? That's See, that's my thing. I don't understand why people complain. It's like, this game was really hard, and it got easy by the end. Do you do you think maybe you got better at it? Like, is that a possibility? Or is it just that you well, became so not, overpowered that it doesn't matter because it's a role-playing game? Certainly in The Witcher, your character becomes very strong by the end of the game. You're, you're not invincible, but in the beginning of the game, you if there's three guys, you cannot attack them straight on you just like can't you will die every time but by the end of the game if there's three or four guys you can be a little more cavalier about what you're doing and not really worry as much about being attacked from behind or having your combos interrupted well that's not a bad thing that sounds like see i hate it when games just like the difficulty scales up with your level 
So basically, yeah. every fight you're so on you par. Kind of static experience the yeah. entire time. So it's never really it's also, that challenging. Yeah. I mean, because that's really what makes me bored. I mean, I'm gonna, yeah. The Fallout games are like that, and and their combat is constantly derided. The newer ones and Oblivion. I guess maybe New Vegas isn't, but Fallout Three and Oblivion were like that, where the enemies scaled with your level. So there were like level thirty rats at the end of Oblivion. <laughs> that still weren't that hard, but yeah, were but they were level thirty for a rat. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. man, I, I really like that Witcher combat system. They give you a ton of tools, and you're kind of just expected to use them all. Like all the crap spells you never used in the last game, like the shield or the thing that paralyzes a guy in a trap. Those were just garbage. And then in this one, I was using them constantly. I figured out by the end of the game, I was like, oh, I should have been using the shield spell like the whole game. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, I like (laughs) it when there can be revelations, you know, throughout an experience. I mean, it can be kind of like, wow, I really struggled forever unnecessarily. But is it really the game's fault that you never tried to use the shield spell? Yeah. I I felt so good when I kind of figured it out. That actually made me feel super OP. Because the only reason I'd used it is because I basically exhausted my the skills I wanted in, in swordsmanship and alchemy. So I started going down the magic tree. And one of the things was like upgrading the shield spell, how much it would absorb. And around this point, I get to what is effectively the second to last boss fight in the game, and it is destroying me. Because basically every boss fight just kills you immediately. And I was like, what the fuck do I do? This is so hard. I can barely even touch them. And then I I decide just on a whim to cast a shield spell. And I was like, oh, shield spell kind of absorbs 95% of every attack they do. And then the re- the actual damage I take is largely restored immediately by the potions I've drank that heal me. So <laughs> this is probably how I should have fought every other boss, and I feel really <laughs> stupid now. <laughs> hey, you did it the hard way. Oh, uh, totally. Dude, this one, there's like a boss in the middle of the game that they don't give you an autosave before the boss. So if you die, not only do you have to proceed through this annoying-ass combat with three or four groups of minions, but then you have to click through a bunch of cutscenes. And that boss could kill me in, like, three hits. So I eventually just decided to cheese the shit out of it by being like, okay, just stand as far away as possible and throw daggers and try and get lucky with the trap spell. Where if I had known you could put up a barrier, I could have probably played it more like I wanted to instead of doing the long-range combat, which is... Not to say that that's not an equally legitimate way to play the game. I mean, it's in there. It's like but it makes you feel like a total sissy. Game. That's the problem. Yeah, basically. But yeah, it's good. I liked it. I really, I really had fun with it. It's one of the few games in recent memory where, where I just really, really wanted to come back to it. Nice. And that I was really sad when, uh, when it was over. Uh, what, what, uh, what do you got on the docket? No, basically, you know, nothing. Just uh, beat Outland. Which, How did that end up? Well, I mean, it was an okay game. I mean, when you talk about frustrating, um, like, the art style in Outland kind of goes for um, 
a little bit of what was going on in uh, Limbo, except that it actually has color. But here's the shocker. I never felt cheaped out in Limbo. In Outland, there were multiple times where I would just hit guys that were completely invisible to me. Uh, yeah, you know, just from the limited amount I played it, I felt like that was going to become a concern. The I nice, like I the, mean, it is rare, and like luckily, really in, weird. Yeah, I mean, luckily the checkpoint system is pretty generous. But if I was ever at like one health bar, I basically just opened up the map and was looking for the nearest checkpoint. So I'm like, I'm gonna die. It's inevitable. Yeah. There's no real tension. It's just gonna happen. So you have to find the checkpoint before some random thing occurs. Like, there's also points where it's just like, I mean, I guess they are supposed to be traps. But it's like you'll make some giant leap, and the floor that you land on is those obscured spikes that shake and then shoot up. Yeah. So you, so you, you know, have to identify it as you land on it and immediately get off of it. Yeah. So you finally complete some maddening Ikaruga sequence, and all of a sudden you land on the spikes and you're just done. Yeah. I feel that. That's a little. That's a little rough. Um. I, re- I still do appreciate the idea of an Ikaruga platformer because that's a really cool idea to use that that color swapping concept in something that's not a shooter. Yeah, well, and I kind of, I mean, I I enjoyed Outland. It wasn't terrible, but uh, I don't know if I'd really like recommend it. It's one of, I mean, it's an arcade game, so you can yeah, so it's take it or leave it. It was pretty cheap. And, it and was, it's got a demo. Yeah, it was fun enough. I mean, most of the time, like, the worst thing about it, though, the last couple bosses were just kind of lame. Like, you fight this sky dragon, and it took me, like, ten tries to realize that there are just sections of his body you can stand on to avoid these mines falling. And so instead mm-hmm. of being sort of challenging, it's really just a waiting game, which I guess a lot of the game really was just that. Uh, right. Outland is just a practice in patience. If you need to figure something out, just go slower, and it'll immediately become clear. <laughs> like, there was yeah. never a moment where it's like, oh, speed is of the essence, or you felt like you really had to go fast. It was more like, no, slow down, watch this pattern for like five minutes until you discover what's going on, and then, you know, just walk through again very slowly. I just, like, I don't... I don't have the capacity in me to play those games that way like to me i want to play every one of those games like sonic and just go as fast to the right as i possibly can yeah and if you insist on doing that outland will be an incredibly frustrating and not fun at all experience for you right they sort of force you into that mold just by the way your character has to overcome inertia you're just you're not as as jumpy and light as you are as sonic which well, we went away to for Memorial Day, and we brought a Wii with us, and one of Graz's friends was like, oh, I really want to play Sonic. And I was like, well, you're in luck. We have it on the Wii. We got Sonic 2. And then we came to the realization you come to when you play, like, every Sonic game, where you play the first act, and you're like, oh, this game is so fun. I'm going so fucking fast. Nothing can stop me. And then you get to the second act, and it's fucking Chemical Zone. <laughs> and it's like, I'm going so fast to the right, it just fell in the water and died no way man time in a row you could beat chemical zone in like i don't even know i think i the record for chemical zone in my house was like a minute and a half (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know. We just like kept falling into the drink, and then people who had not played it before were like, or in ten or fifteen years, would like be zipping along and not note the immediate gamer shorthand for a tile that's going to fall out from under you oh, and yeah. stuff like that. So people had to coach through certain parts like that. Yeah. It's like when when Sonic slows down, you're like, eh, I'm not really having that much fun with this game. <laughs> we should probably just cook another batch of hamburgers, hot dogs, and steak. Totally. Let it be known that this weekend for me was called, or should be named, Memorial Day 2001 Revenge of the Bobka. Because I ate about a whole babka and <laughs> probably almost died. But, so it's Graz's friend whose house it is, is uh, Jewish and it's a kosher house. So there's all these things like, you know, the meat and the cheese are prepared in different places. And so she got this, this kosher babka, which uh, maybe all babka is kosher. I don't know. But. It was just, it's basically just bread, chocolate, bread, chocolate, bread, chocolate, and alternating layers. <laughs> and it was so goddamn good. Wait, why would chocolate, I don't understand how the, the babka isn't kosher if it has chocolate in it. Isn't it just? Well, you, you can eat chocolate. It's, it's dairy products. It's like. But isn't it just no, meat, and, meat and dairy is what you can't have? You're allowed to have yeah, dairy. You can't, you can't mix them in the same dish. But, yeah, I guess maybe there was milk in it. It seemed like it wasn't, didn't have dairy. But I don't know. I didn't ask. I, I could not ask, literally, because my mouth was constantly filled with popka. Is this, I don't know. Is this, <laughs> Dave, stop trying even to talk. if I could ask, I would not be understood. The babka, it controls me. By, by the second night, I, I purposely banned myself from red meat. No. I was like, we have we have eaten. I ate hamburgers, hot dogs, and steak in the same night. I feel like shit. I feel worse than the worst hangover I've had in recent memory. Like tomorrow, I'm gonna I'm gonna dial it back a little. I'm just gonna try and stick to turkey. <laughs> no more red meat. I think I broke yeah, my that colon. Was my concession. I was like, I'm not gonna stop eating meat. I'm just gonna eat the. I'm just gonna stop eating the worst meat. <laughs> That's probably all you needed to do. It's about restoring balance. Yeah, I'm sure I'll be fine. So I just keel over. People were were supposing if it was possible to give yourself a sudden heart attack over the course of like three days, like how much meat you would have to eat to do that. Uh, and there were there was talk of using liver spread as a condiment for sandwiches. Ugh. You might get. You'd probably get gout Just, before your uh, before your heart stopped beating. <laughs> so you'd lose a big toe. And that's is that um, what causes gout? Uh, fatty meats. So if you eat a Maybe lot of liver, part of it. If you eat a lot of liver, see me. Uh, I see. So yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So as I understand it from my brief Wikipedia search. You get these sort of, not exactly contaminants, but you get the shit that's in red meat in your system 
and your kidneys can't process it out fast enough. So there's a buildup of it. And that's what causes the gout. Also alcoholic beverages. So, so I probably have gout <laughs> right now. No, you it have to just eat, that kind of weekend. You have to eat a lot, a lot of meat over an extended period of time to get gout. Yeah. But we, we tried our damnedest. If we didn't get it, it was not for lack of trying. <laughs> yeah. Look at this. You're taking a break to drink a chocolate shake. This is not a chocolate shake. This is liver ground up with milk, and I also poured beer yeah. in it. This is like, a well, chopped liver shake. <laughs> a for I'm effort. drinking it while you're testing my blood pressure. <laughs> Give me a break, Doc. What do you want from me? I also played the L.A. Noir. That game was okay. Yeah? It was all right. It was kind of neat. Had its moments. Not... Wait, you already beat I L.A. Don't Noir? Have a, yeah, we played it over the course of four or five days. Isn't it it's like thirty hours long? long? Yeah, it's probably probably closer to. It's probably more like less than twenty, but close to twenty. Oh, okay. But yeah, there were there were a couple of marathon nights where we just played it, and it gets kind of kind of old towards the end. And somebody needs to tell those Australian fucks because I know they speak English since they're from Australia that. Truth and doubt do not mean what they <laughs> purport them to mean. What do you mean? It took us, so when you're, when you're in the interviews, you have three options when the witness makes a statement. You can say truth, doubt, or lie. And lie is just immediately obvious. It's you push Y and you say, I think you're lying. And then they say, well, give me some evidence. And you give them some evidence. So that one's never really in question. But truth and doubt probably would have been more accurately titled as say, good cop, bad cop, or, like, ease off and pressure or something like that. Basically, truth means you're going to respond politely, and doubt means you're going to respond harshly. But that is not what those words imply. <laughs> so there's a lot of situations where you're like, oh, yeah, I think that person is probably telling the truth about that, when really what you're supposed to do is press them for further information, where with the truth option, you usually kind of back off. And so for the first few cases, we're just utterly perplexed <laughs> as to why when people are saying things that are evidently true and are confirmed later to be true, are giving us like negative responses. But it hardly matters because you literally cannot lose the game aside or you cannot fail. You can be reverted to a checkpoint through like a shooting game or driving off a cliff. But you cannot ever actually fail the investigation, which is actually kind of a little frustrating. What do you mean? Just that it's impossible like I, to lose, so that takes yeah, some of the. I mean, I, I don't. I don't really have a solution for these games that have no fail states at all. But I really don't care for it, especially since, like, where's the pride in performing a successful and difficult interrogation if you would have been just like, oh, well, I would have figured it out anyway. Yeah, I guess. And I mean, uh, in their defense, coming up with a good interrogation mechanic might have been pretty difficult. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm sure it was harder for them, or it would be harder for me than it would, was for them. Was but the storyline at least interesting? Because that's the only thing that ever... 
I felt like L.A. Noir was pushing for that. Like, if they're going to invest all this uh, technology and resource into the way the people tell you the story and how the actors are, you know, actors are captured in 3D, uh, the story better be pretty freaking good. And that's really the reason you're going to play the game. Was that the case? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was decent. I like the 1940s detective story style stuff. So it immediately appealed to me. It gets a little weak towards the end. Some things kind of come out of nowhere and just aren't very exciting. But overall, it's pretty neat. And I like I like running around and talking to people in the 1940s. As an experience, that's pretty cool. And even if you know you can't fail, you still sort of stay on your toes and give things more... I guess more gravity than they deserve because you know you can't fail but you're you're wrapped up in the mechanics enough to be like oh this is really important and we really want to get these things right I think what really frustrated me is that they they go back to this well of whoever you thought did it didn't actually do it about 400 times so in reality you pretty much never arrest the proper guy and that feels pretty dumb, <laughs> especially when you're working a, a case of obvious serial killings and you arrest a different guy for each one as if it was just a long string of copycats. And you're like, dude, come on. Like, the characters cannot be this stupid. They're supposed to be genius detectives. And they can't figure out that they've got the wrong guy because... I will say it is unlikely that if you murdered someone, you would leave the murder weapon and your bloody shirt in your apartment. I think, I think that is pretty unlikely. But what is spectacularly unlikely is that four dudes in a row would do it. <laughs> like, okay, maybe one guy would slip up, but I don't think they all would. So what you, there's like, every yep. case kind of follows the, the red herring a sequence yeah. where the first guy you arrest is just you know he's not actually the dude but he does provide well, some clue as to what happened you you arrest you make arrests for all these cases assuming they are the correct ones and then it, at the end of the the homicide cases it's like oh there was actually a real serial killer big surprise now we have to track him down and then it becomes one of those puzzle-type things where he leaves you coded messages and you have to decipher them to find the next message to eventually find the real serial killer. So are you, are you actually, uh, like, each crime is in a series of a larger crime or are they actual individual cases that get sort of looped together? Uh, it's kind of both. There's, there's some that are standalone and then there's some that fit into a larger storyline. So Homicide... The Homicide Desk is one big storyline. And then there's a storyline that comes together at the very end of the game so that the last desk is also a large storyline, which also kind of encompasses the game as a whole. But otherwise, there's a bunch of unrelated cases. And they're all pretty fun. It's, it's like playing a 3D version of Phoenix Ride, which is how everybody's compared it. But you get to wander around and pick up evidence and then hear testimony and contradict people which is tried and true gameplay for, at the very least, people like me. So it's really not a hard sell in that regard. And it doesn't have what I consider to be, 
or consider Phoenix Wright's greatest flaw to be, which is just, it's so fucking talky. Like, Phoenix Wright has so much dialogue. And it's sometimes funny, but it's not all the times funny. So, by cutting that out of L.A. Noir and having things move at a faster pace and, and just making it more interactive is a real benefit to at least my sanity. Well, it's also Not true that, you know, place. the uh, the amount of information available to the people who made L.A. Noir is significantly greater than the space accommodated by a DS game. Yeah, certainly. And, and just the budget. Like, they, they, pro- they probably have a lot more time to do things other than write endless lines of dialogue, which are effectively free as far as development <laughs> concerned, development budget is. Compared to making uh, a semi-accurate recreation of Los Angeles from 60 years ago, writing stuff in a text bubble with like the character doing canned animations above it is probably it's a little easier. Just just a scotch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I liked it. It wasn't like the best game ever. It was probably the most finishable Rockstar game. Like they didn't have any just like. Well, it was far more on rails stuff than about. Uh... Yeah, yeah. Then, but even more than that, it didn't have any of that bullshit they like putting in their games about, like, oh, this guy's a pedophile, haha, <laughs> isn't that funny, and all that garbage. <laughs> but then, it was not developed by them per se. Like it's it's some company they bought, but you could have fooled me because it looks and plays exactly like every other one of their games. So, I don't know. I guess we could uh, we could do some emails because there's just it never ends. At this moment, I have sixty-eight emails starred. Yikes! The majority of them are podcast emails. So, and try and hit up a few of those. For example, this qu- this one where Sony CEO asks, it's the near future and capital punishment has been highly reformed in the United States. You're sentenced to death for killing Jerry over hot wings. Your execution <laughs> method is death by overeating. What would you be your poison in this situation? What would I use to eat myself to death? Yeah. It's impossible. No food can <laughs> It would kill never me. happen. They'd actually be like they'd have to reform the system yet again when they realized. I mean, that I guess it wasn't working. Now, I guess in truth, overeating would eventually kill me, just because you know well, I'd have a heart attack. You could explode your stomach. I would actually pick hot wings as reference in the email because I'd be like, "Hot wings got me into this mess. Hot wings will get me out of it." And I think I would to heaven. I would do chips, chips and guacamole. I figure guacamole, the fat content is so high that in the end it will just, you know, clog my heart. Yeah. You hope, hope it gets you before your stomach just rips itself apart at the ste- <laughs> scenes. Just like Man. that guy in Seven. And he just had to eat pasta. That's terrible. Wait, didn't that guy in Seven eat parts of himself? I don't think so. Well, maybe that was I another one. might be combining some of the cases because there's a guy who had to cut a piece of himself off the lawyer representing greed had to remove a pound of flesh i think the the gluttony guy just had to eat a bunch of pasta (laughs) a bunch of pasta Um, let's see 
I got two from the same guy. Let's see which one is better. Well, he says, have you ever had a Japanese sweet potato? They blow regular sweet potatoes in the water, out of the water. They were in the water, and then it blew them out of the water. <laughs> they placed them gently there, let them float away yeah. <laughs> into obscurity. Uh, I, I've had them, but his PS is an actual question. Is syrup over waffles and eggs, yay or nay? I'm a big fan of the sweet-savory combo. Syrup over waffles and eggs? I've never gotten into I the... Think that- I've never gotten into the, the syrup on eggs. eggs. Is the crucial part that you have to put them over your eggs. No, negative. Because obviously syrup over waffles is a given. But I don't know. Yeah, how's that even a question? A- Who? What do you just eat waffles dry? You better have something to put on there. I don't know, maybe like whipped cream and strawberries if you're fancy. Dude, that's delicious. That's not even fancy. It's not hard to get whipped cream Whatever. and strawberry. Fancy. Give me my chocolate chip pancakes. That's what I like. Mm, I'm a big boy. <laughs> Chocolate chip pancakes. I made a I made a smiley face in mine. <laughs> and smiley there's, face. There's, whipped a, cream smiley there's face. a banana in the middle on. for the nose. <laughs> I like cherries for the eyes, or just more chocolate chips for the eyes. You know, whatever <laughs> you got. Uh, I would I would have no problem with putting syrup over eggs. I actually sort of like. One of the things I appreciate most about brunch or breakfast is that the way things sort of combine on the plate with whatever sauce you're using tends to be pretty fun and kind of makes everything taste pretty good because maple syrup is just pure sugar and there's no reason why that wouldn't make everything taste pretty good. I don't know. <laughs> it seems like a it seems like a hole in one to me. Yeah. It's a no brainer. I know, I was just this morning I was making breakfast, I made a an egg sandwich with some sausage. And I was like, you know, I always eat these things dry when I make them. I should put something on it, like maple syrup. And then I had to leave the kitchen for 45 minutes so I didn't <laughs> risk it. I got to get out of here. I don't, even know, I don't even know if we have maple syrup, but <laughs> I didn't want to push my luck. You're hovering over the abyss, ready to fall in, never to return. Yeah. Maple syrup, good in this. Uh, no. His other question is just, if you're allowed a combination of any three foods, liquids, to be stuck on a deserted island, what would you choose? I mean, it seems like we've been asked that a hundred million times. I think that's just, everybody always asks that deserted island question. It's like, I don't know what my, the combination of things I'd like to have, lots of water and trees. Because I will like build a, a boat. Uh, how about wild boar? On the island, source of fresh water, and some nanner trees. Then you got just about what you need. Uh, Press. I got. I got one that's not about food. Where Preston asks, "I enjoyed your review of Halo Three, which I guess we did four years ago." And I hesitate, as always, to call anything on this podcast a review. <laughs> but going on, <laughs> so, I have not yet the- for a buddy cop incomprehensible rambling that was loosely related to halo 3 yeah i mean i just think that's more accurate and a little less hoity-toity uh but he says i have an idea for a buddy cop movie starring master chief and the arbiter as mismatched partners in 1997 los angeles do you think this is a good idea i don't know absolutely i'd say absolutely you could call it halo colon cold heat 
<laughs> I don't know why you would call it that. <laughs> so the Los Angeles is hot, and the characters you would put in your movie are cold the and problem largely is, who emotionless. Would, who would be the straight man? That's what like. Well, they would both be the straight man. Is the problem? That'd be the worst buddy movie ever. They'd be like, "How do you? All right, Arbiter. How do you want to do this?" And the Arbiter's like, "By the book." And he's like, "You know what, Arbiter? I was thinking the same thing." Let's <laughs> <laughs> so they sit down, do a bunch of paperwork and hardcore investigation. Nary a door gets kicked down. There's no car chases. <laughs> Yeah, they're, well, they're driving around town obeying all the stoplights. <laughs> now, now, Arbiter, there's no it sense sounds like in he rushing. Just wants to, this is, just sounds just like Alien Nation. In which the alien was kind of the straight man and the, the comic yeah. prop. I think you should make a, a buddy cop show where it is the Master Chief... And the alien is Alf. <laughs> <laughs> I think they should just redo Halo like that. Screw the buddy cop movie. Just have <laughs> Alf running Alf around be the, beating the up AI. on brutes. Can you imagine? I don't know. I, I mean, I appreciate what he's going for there. Because those guys don't belong in that time period. But I think really what you're, what the situation you're getting yourself into there is Predator 2 with just like a dose of the Predator, Alien versus Predator, my buddy and me thing going on. It's at that instead of a lady scientist, it's the Master Chief shooting guys with a laser gun. Like, would they still have all their equipment or would they just be a couple of guys or a guy? Yeah, how how could the Master Chief even exist in LA in 1997? Monster? That's the more hilarious well, thing. I don't know. When at the end of Halo Three, when they go through that portal, maybe that's yeah. where he ends up. <laughs> that would actually be pretty awesome because I'm imagining like they have all that great monastic music playing, like oh, and then it like flashes through the portal, and all of a sudden it's synthesizers. It's like the theme from Beverly Hill Cop starts playing immediately. Yeah, it's the Axel F going on. There's a movie. Yeah, just take just make a movie that's. Master Chief and Eddie Murphy as Axel Foley. <laughs> Just make Beverly Hills top And the entire the time, Chief. Master Chief is wearing a pink sports jacket with the sleeves rolled up and like over a his light, armor. Yeah, over his armor and a light blue tie. Like cinched <laughs> up. Yeah, well, that, so that's the obvious problem with this email is that he said it in the wrong decade. 1997. Clearly, this belongs in 1987. <laughs> It's so sad that the 90s and the 80s are conflating in my mind. They're I live driving through, around in, in Axel's Cadillac, and uh, they're listening to Huey Lewis, Hip to be Square, <laughs> and the Master Chief side of the car is just grinding along the ground because he's wearing 900 <laughs> pounds of armor. <laughs> Yo, Master Chief, when are you going to lose some weight? When I don't require a power shield if I have to fall out of orbit. <laughs> yeah. How are you going to get into orbit? <laughs> the space program's been defunct for 10 years. Man, Master Chief, you keep talking about this wormhole. I don't think we're ever going to find it. It's light years away, Master Chief. Light years. You know how long it's going to take? Many, many years. <laughs> yeah. Man, well, I mean, uh, it's kind of just inherent in the title itself. That 
yeah. but like would would Cortana also be there? Because then, but that, I mean that's really obvious. Because then a- Master Chief's a straight man, and Axel is is the he's he's cracking wise. It's the perfect combination. There's yeah. Or I guess you, it, I'm or not gonna you lie. Have Eddie Murphy. I'm not gonna lie. It's the Halo movie I've always wanted. Like when I saw those cutscenes of people like running across the field, I was like, "Where's Eddie Murphy as Axel Foley?" <laughs> Eddie Murphy sticks a banana in uh in the Banshee's tailpipe. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he, like wait, he gets in front of all the elites and waves his hands in the air, and they're like, "Get him!" And they all try and the take last off scene on their of, hover the last bikes. scene of the movie is Eddie Murphy having been taken to the future with Master Chief. He's like. Master Chief, you keep talking about this flood, and then a squid just hits him right in the mouth and takes him over, and he gets turned into a flood. And oh, Master no. Chief just melees him to death. It's like, awful. finally. You put, that, you put it on such a down note. <laughs> I think that that would be hilarious. Mostly because everything that Eddie Murphy did after the 80s was pretty much terrible. Yeah, it would actually be probably the best way for him to go out. It's like, well, I am a mindless, horrific zombie. <laughs> But at least they did, the paparazzi didn't catch me with a transvestite prostitute. Yeah. Could we actually go back to the time before the Nutty Professor or Dr. Doolittle or any of those <laughs> you others? You could make a Halo movie where Eddie Murphy played all the parts. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So I've got <laughs> just cutting back and forth between him as a... Though, yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess he'd be him as Cortana and him as Master Chief. He's one of the prophets. And then, yeah. <laughs> but for some reason, the prophet's in, like, fat makeup and wearing a muumuu. <laughs> yeah, they're around like a you. dinner table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're all just... Pillar of Autumn. The clumps. Pillar of Autumn. What does that even mean, Pillar of Autumn? Is it a spaceship or isn't it? <laughs> Mom. I told you it's a spaceship. It's just how we name things. Well, I don't know about how you name things up north. Down here in the south, we name things like some like biscuits and gravy. <laughs> you don't have biscuits and gravy. Biscuits, You're some biscuits, sort of biscuits and gravy. Alien creature. You grew up on a planet without wheat. Ah. <laughs> uh. After that, I'm ready to stop. Yeah, let's so, no, Got got through four emails though. Sweet. Sixty-four to go. Nice. All right. Yeah, I'm ready to clap. Okay. Let's do it. One, two, three. Awesome. I'ma stop in it. Cool. But you could have it with the monks and be like, now I need to get like the tabernacle choir to compose my opus. Or, well, I would compose it and then they would just sing it. I don't want to give them too much credit. I kind of find whatever I arranged it. <laughs> Same difference. I'm the creative mind here, not them.
But all right. Until next time. Later.